0: This is Influencing Insider, the weekly webinar that interviews Australia and New Zealand's best journalists about how they like to work with communications professionals. To view our complete library of episodes and register for the live shows, head to influencing.com forward slash insider.
1: Hi and welcome to Inside a Business. I'm your host, Mike Woodcock. Our guest today is Corey Moran. Corey works at networking giant Cisco. Since 1984, Cisco has built and delivered key networking technology that helps make the internet possible. In recent times, that focus has also included helping keep it safer with their cybersecurity unit. Corey works at Cisco as their comms lead and is here to talk about communicating values, priorities and successes and the challenges that go with his 17-year-long career. Welcome, Corey.
0: Thank you very much, Mike. Great to be here.
1: No, you're welcome. Thank you for, thank you for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Um, first off, 17 years is an extraordinary achievement. Um, how did you get your start at Cisco and what's what's made it compelling enough to stay that long?
0: I know, 17 years, when you when you kind of like stop and you sit back and you kind of go, wow, say it out loud, um, it is a long time. It's a long time in someone's life. Um, it's a long time relationship. so being at the same company for 17 years is um pretty crazy um but I guess um you know I've worked all over, across the world with with Cisco so it's been pretty varied um exciting I've obviously grown my career's grown and I've had some awesome experiences and life experiences that I guess um have that you know there's been an amazing opportunities and 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 ways in which i can kind of continue to grow and develop and experience new things
1: so, where did you uh, get just sorry sorry yeah, to cut you off there I, <laughs> I did want to know where did you get your start where did you start at cisco
0: Yeah, so I I was actually in London. So um, I sort of started my, I guess, dabbling in comms um, uh, in Perth. So I I, I went to university at Curtin University in Perth and worked at the university there in in the comms um, department there for a while um, before, you know, as you do, well, pre-COVID, you know, you'd go off and go traveling. And I was fortunate to do that. I was in Canada for a while and then backpacked around Europe for a while and landed in London. And um, yeah, I managed to come across, I was interviewing for various roles and came across as an opportunity with a company called Cisco. At the time, I had no idea what Cisco did. Um, you know, I, I really sort of went in a bit blind, but um, Um, yeah, it was a a great opportunity to sort of start there. And I guess from that, I I worked across Europe. So I worked with a whole range of different executives, Italian, um, American, obviously we're a big American company, but um, um, Dutch, Swedish. uh, Yeah, so I got a really great, I guess, cultural experience, you know, Australian being in Europe, but um, great exposure and kind of continued to evolve um, in the way in which my comms, I guess, always in the comms discipline, but for different parts of the the Cisco business. So I have a great understanding of the breadth of the business, um, having had the opportunity to work in various parts of it. Um, and then I had the opportunity. I sort of got to the point where I was like, "Yeah, I'm done with the London." After after almost eleven years in London, um, had the opportunity to move back home, back to Australia, um, and I'm based in Brisbane. So um, with my with my family here. So yeah, it's really Great, great to be able to do that. And um, obviously, now in the Asia Pacific um, region, getting a, again new exposure to this part of the world as well.
1: So, you're the communications lead for Australia and New Zealand.
0: Correct, yes. And my role's just expanded actually. I've now um, leading um, our communications campaign managers across the region. So, I've got a couple of the team based in Singapore and a couple in India as well. So, that's again another opportunity to continue to grow and evolve. Um, Yeah, the experience that you have at Cisco Show.
1: So what does a typical day for you look like?
0: So, um, yeah, uh, daylight saving. So in Brisbane, we don't have it. So I guess my day starts a bit earlier. so, but you know it's beautiful weather so there's no no um you know there's no reason not to get up early um but i sort of sort of get up pretty early and um, given we're a global company sort of check my emails obviously we've got webEx so all of the the messaging that kind of comes through overnight just to see what's happened um, we're the first to wake up in a, for a new day in australia so obviously that sort of um, means we need to be across anything that's happened overnight um i then love to go for a walk so i and i listen to rn drive <laughs> (laughs) Um, live. Um, It's sort of a great, I guess, way to start the day and hear the news of the day or what's going to be on the news agenda of the day. Um, And then, yeah, really get stuck in. I often connect up with Adela and my team who's in Sydney um, and relevant. And then I guess that's when the meetings start. Um, So it's uh, generally, pretty hectic, and depending on um, you know what's going on, um, a lot of sort of internal meetings, connections with um, our PR agency Thrive PR, um, and then depending on you know what's going on. I mean, I yesterday morning I had an early 6:30 call with a colleague in in Toronto, and and one in the US. Tonight I have one. Um, well, not, it's not too late for a Friday, but um, it's about five o'clock with my colleagues in in London. Um, and in Berlin as well. So it just depends on the day, but you, you get a lot of variety and um, lots of ways to connect with colleagues and, and um, stakeholders right across the globe.
1: So how much of your work is client and partner focused and in internal comms, and how much w- would be engaging with with media and external?
0: Yeah. So I'm I've um, really I guess grown my comms. Um, career um, initially from an internal communications perspective and sort of then morphed into the sort of PR side a bit later on. Um, so I have a really great foundation in employee engagement and that's something I'm really passionate about. And certainly coming into this role in Australia, I really embrace that. It wasn't something that was sort of happening prior to me sort of coming, coming back down here. So um, I do have a big strong focus of the internal um, communications. I think it's really important to leverage and kind of connect with our employees around everything that we're doing and I think that's um, something that I've really demonstrated some success in, um, you know, recently. But um, I would say, you know, 50% probably of my role is really about connecting with, you know, internal stakeholders, whether that be, and i actually really fortunate that I get to work, obviously, uh, um, with our senior, most senior leaders, um, right through to um, our team on the ground in and, you know, working with customers. So it's a really great, I guess, um, role in that you have so much coverage of the business and people as well. And then probably about 30% of my role, sort of externally facing, obviously partner up with, again, Thrive PR, but um, Adela um, in my team, um, we we sort of manage a lot of those external relationships with journalists. Um, And depending on what we've got going on, if there's a big announcement or launch or something we're really trying to drive um, with the media, obviously that sort of dials up a bit. Um, But yeah, and then the other 20% is probably um, more more broader um, I guess, within the comms family. So from a global communications perspective, we've got um, our folks in the US, we've got our regional team as well. So, yeah, I guess that's how I would split it up, um, thinking about it, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Who does Cisco do business with and how much of a role does media play in in managing those relationships?
0: So Cisco... um, you know, there's a a data point around the fact that, you know, 80% of the world's internet traffic runs on some kind of Cisco technology. So we're pretty pervasive. Um, We cover, you know, our core networking capabilities. So Wi Fi connectivity across business within within the office environment. Um, And so you'll see us, um, you know, um, in big in big retailers in banks, you'll see us in hospitals, um, uh, universities, um, you know, in uh, you know, right through to small business um, and service provider networks as well. So, you know, core networking. We have cybersecurity capability, data center capability, um, mm. and collaboration. So Webex as well. Um, so we're really there is a, a breadth of capability of technology that we provide to top end of town, right through to small business. Um, and so you pretty much see us. And some form everywhere, Mm. Uh, um, yeah, so which is awesome, but it's also quite a challenge in terms of being able to prioritise obviously, you know, where the opportunities are to tell our stories and our impact with the media as well. So um, I would say, you know, we have obviously our core technology journalists who we engage with very regularly and then we'll have more um, bespoke, um, you know, education, health, um, transport even focused, um, you know, uh, storylines that we're really wanting to see with those particular journalists. And then more broadly, some of the big mainstream um, capability that we have. And most recently, you know, which impacts everyone's you know, daily lives, you know, the role of technology. Um, and, you know, if, you know, if you think about the big themes around hybrid work and kind of what that's meant for folks, you know, that's where we can really play an active role in starting to um, position the role of our technology, but also what we're doing as an organisation to really enable our people um, and our customers as well. So,
1: yeah. so how do you how do you start and maintain those relationships with those those journalists, especially those key technology journalists that you were talking about? I, I suppose that's more ongoing, but um, yeah. the, the the journalists that specialise in, in in business verticals that that presents a different set of challenges.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, you know, when I first landed in Australia, I had no relationships. You know, I really didn't know um, anyone because I'd been away for so long. So, for me, it was really sort of start- starting as well from, you know, um, you know, learning and really picking up from, you know, the agency and others around me around who who's who, right? And and I think we're at a really great um, point in time now where. Adela, I, I'm Adela and I are like this. We're like this. We're the, the dynamic duo. We're a very lean team. It's just Adela and I are covering everything in Australia and New Zealand. Um, so you know, um, being aligned, but also really understanding um, our key journalists and um, you know what it is they they need, and obviously knowing that their time poor, but really being um, quite uh, mindful of you know, when we do connect with them, that we believe that it's a really good opportunity. We don't just sort of send out and sort of, you know, spray everything. We're really considered in when we actually do engage. So I think we've spent a lot of um, probably the last four years really nurturing and building those relationships um, you know, obviously with the, the the news and the stories that we're trying to land with them, but also on the other side, and that's just getting to know them as mm. human beings, right? And I think COVID and the pandemic's really, um, I guess, stripped back a lot of the potential facade of, you know, who we are as humans. And um, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, just trying to you know connect with them, um, doing some fun things like we did some virtual, we did a virtual beer tasting and a virtual wine tasting, you know, just to kind of um during the midst of the pandemic, just to really, I guess have moments, just shared experiences that might just um, yeah get them out of there every day when we're all stuck at home. Well I, I'm fortunate that I wasn't um being in Brisbane, but um yeah. I know that a lot of the folks in Sydney and Melbourne were certainly um, impacted pretty badly. So. Yeah, that's the that's sort of the way in which we, we we do that. And yeah, again, really mindful. But then on the other side, when we do have um, you know, and like the it's constantly changing, isn't it? Mm. Like the consolidation that we've seen in tech journalism. I think that's something that was Um, you know it's 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 not great for us as an industry given the amount of growth that we've had um, as an industry and the opportunities and and the vital role of technology that you know that it plays in our society you know and and our economy as well so um, you know I think you know when we see some newsrooms are you know closed down or things you know divested we we sort of we feel it as well because I guess it, it hurts the entire industry as well so there's that and then the other side of that is you know we've really tried to I guess elevate um, Cisco as a brand and the impact that our technology has and that's where we sort of work really closely with Thrive PR our agency to sort of support us because we're never going to have those relationships with those you know morning show programs or some of the the nightly news programs and that's Mm. where we really partner very closely with them Um, and they're very much an extension of our team and um, great partners to have and trust to be able to do that and um, working with our you know spokespeople um in, in with right across the business so yeah
1: that makes sense that you would use the, the agency for for those areas that are a little bit trickier to navigate um yeah. that you might not be quite as close to being as how they're, they're not technically tech all the time so you yeah, know mm-hmm. that makes sense um sarah's asking a question which is goes, something you touched on briefly about the complexities of, of not only um, the, the people that you're speaking with, but also the offerings that, that Cisco have does cover so much, so much ground. How do you see this how do you tell the wood how do you see the wood for the trees and decide which stories to tell and, and when? Because timing matters.
0: It's all about timing, isn't mm. it? Um Yeah, obviously as a global organization we'll have, you know, priorities that we're really trying to drive as a you know global storylines and themes that we're really trying to own and, um, you know, get share a voice globally. So there's a sort of a drive globally that we have and we very much align to. We have, um, you know, key um, publications. Um, that we consider you know top 75 globally we have a regional um, uh, group as well that we really try and nurture and target and work together with to land stories so we sort of prioritize I guess um, the publication you know or you know that we're trying to you know work with and, and land stories with but I think yeah the breadth of the capability and the opportunities that we have certainly again makes us really considered when we do go out to journalists that um, it's, it's there is an opportunity. We're not just sort of sending everything. We sort of put a bit of a filter on um, a lot that's sort of coming through, um, and you know, as well, really thinking about okay, what does it mean? It might be global news, but does it have a relevance here in Australia um, to our market? Is it in the news agenda? Um, is it something that we've got local data or, you know, insights on or is it just a global sort of news item? So we really do think about, you know, um, our audience, you know, our audience audience um, to be able to like really package that up in a way that can be consumed um, fairly easily as well. So, you know, really thinking about the types of assets that we want to you know package that up with. Whether that be, you know, obviously the standard press release, but are there other sort of visuals and um, facts, case studies, and infographics, and such yep, like, sound bites, you know, access to, you know, um, key spokespeople as well, and just really simplifying um, what it is that we're sharing. We're not just sort of just sharing everything, but really um, packaging packaging it up in a way that can be consumed, because we know that, you know, everyone's busy, but I think journalists as well, you know, like they just um, have got so much coming at them, um, and again, it's. We hope that when we do connect with them, that they go, okay, this is something that I need to read because we're not sort of forever sending them out um, stuff, noise. Um, yeah.
1: I'm glad, I'm glad you touched on that idea of, of, um, of, of consistent communications because um, I feel that it's important to have that rhythm, but um, at the same time, and you knew I was going to ask this at some point, crisis communications will happen and it's yeah. usually at a timing that's well outside your control. What what's, what do you consider the most important element in managing crisis communications?
0: Well, it's easy to say it when you're not in a crisis. Yes, but absolutely. Think, <laughs> but I think just <clears throat> obviously keeping, you know, keeping you calm and cool. Um, but, you know, I guess really understanding, okay, what's the process that we've you know, um, I guess, enable internally to be able to manage a crisis and really just sort of stopping to be connecting with the right stakeholders. So we have a formalised process. We have a a business critical communications team that sits um, centrally that has people around the globe. Um, So it's a 24 hour kind of capability, if you like, given the the nature of our business and the news agenda as well. Um, So, you know, we have um, depending on the crisis, um, you know, things that ways in which we kind of connect as a, a, an organisation that will be bringing in the relevant stakeholders to, I guess, understand the facts, what are the facts, and really, um, I guess, work as well with the various external, um, I guess, parties as well to really align so that um, if, if indeed there was uh, a need to sort of go out externally with some kind of statement that it's really um, coordinated and aligned, um, I think you know, again, as I mentioned, you know, Australia is the first to wake up to a new day. So certainly during COVID, um, you know, we, when I reflect on what happened with, um, when we first start, sort of entered into the pandemic, you know, it was Mobile World Congress, and you know, were lots of um, organisations pulling out of that event. And then we had at Cisco Live in Melbourne. A couple of weeks later um and we were full staying ready to go and we had to um you know announce that we were cancelling that event because of what was happening and so um there's a lot of alignment with global a lot of alignment obviously with the marketing team um you know with partners just to understand the complexities of what that actually meant given it was a fully and obviously that's sort of one example and the, the flow and effects of that but i was also thinking about our people, right? And what does that mean for our, you know, um, sites that we have? We have um, 10 sites across Australia and New Zealand offices in the capital cities and a couple have, we have a couple more in Sydney. Um, so as, as well as a whole employee side of the crisis as well that I was managing and given the nature of the national cabinet and state and territory responses, that was quite complex in terms of managing that. So, um, you know, clarity, um, consistency, and I guess leadership—having a real strong leader to be the spokesperson or the or the, the mouthpiece of whatever it is that you're delivering—and um, consistently doing that, I think, is um, key when you're sort of managing a, an evolving crisis or you know a continuing crisis.
1: No, I like that idea of leadership and consistency, and I certainly wrote down focus on the facts because I think I think if you if you stick to the facts, everything becomes a lot easier to manage around that Um, and having a plan ahead of time. That's super important. Um, We're seeing some more questions coming through here and there's there's one I really want to go to straight away. Um, You mentioned that you weren't too familiar with Cisco's work before joining them. Curious whether you feel that helps to show that you don't necessarily have to be a techie to forge a successful career in tech comms and PR.
0: Absolutely. I think... um... You know, I had my experience working in the university, as I mentioned, and also government. So I was really coming in fresh. I didn't know. And obviously that was at a time when 17 years ago. So it was a bit different back then. But, um, you know, I think when I think about people who I've brought into Cisco, the last two haven't had a technology background. So I've really looked for. Um, you know, one you know passion and willingness to learn and grow, but I think fundamentally, you know, as technology has become more pervasive. I don't think you need to have um, a technology background in order to apply, you know, what are the benefits or what are the stories that relate to technology? So, you know, understanding how um, um, resource and mining or, you know, industry works or, go- or government works or indeed retail, you know, you can really see the application of technology. So from a comms point of view, you know, having that capability kind of come in, you can learn the tech, right? It's constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. You you, know, you don't just do it once and then you're in. And that's the beauty of working in technology is that it's never a dull day and there's always something new and something new to learn and it's both it's a it's both awesome but also a challenge because you've got to try and stay across it as well but that's what keeps it fresh and energizing and exciting as well so yeah i definitely i would if anyone was wanting to come in tech into the tech industry i would absolutely do not hesitate the fact that you haven't had any experience I think that can ab- absolutely be used as an advantage in terms of what other insights you bring um, based on if you've got other experience in in other industries
1: Just thank you um just just staying on on the idea of staying fresh in the role um, mm-hmm. in any long-term role never mind 17 years any long-term role balancing work life and, and the values that you hold that can be quite 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 a challenge. Um, can you talk about how you've managed that? Um, and whether Cisco's um, allowed you some flexibility in that space.
0: My door's going to shut. Sorry. <laughs> it's a bit windy here today. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I, uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, working for, and, and it's probably one of the reasons why I have stayed at Cisco for for so long is because you can kind of, as your life evolves and things happen in your life, you can kind of continue on um, and adapt, you know, um, I'll plug us because it's a big achievement, but we're like the third year in a row, the best place to work, number one in Australia. So by the great place to work um, organization. So we're definitely getting um, something right in terms of the culture and the the experience that we have and we offer for our employees. And that's reflective globally as well. I think, um, you know, you can continue to adapt and evolve. And for me, um, you know, I've always been in communications, but for me, I've looked at sustainability as, an area of growth for me. And when I was in the UK, I did my postgrad in sustainable business, which then led into me um, really understanding this idea of a circular economy and through a partnership that we had um, with an organisation called the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. I got the opportunity to do an MBA, and that was sponsored by Cisco. And I, it took me a while to finish it. Um, It took me seven years to finish this MBA, but I was determined, but it was specializing in the circular economy and enterprise innovation. And it was the first um, academic institution that actually offered the circular economy capability. You see a lot more broad, you'll see a lot more Around the world now, Um, but I I finished it um, mid COVID. Um, So uh, you know, with a thesis, I had to do a thesis, and I did that thesis on Cisco and our strategy, and sort of some of the areas where communications has a role in actually enabling the circular economy. So I think um, sorry, I forgot the line of the questioning, but I think it was all around you know flexibility in your life. Um, You know, for me, living in London, it was a fun time. I got to travel with Cisco. I got to you know experience different cultures. And going from open reflect when i was backpacking staying in hostels wearing the same clothes every week you know to you know got to the experience of actually going to um you know events and staying in nice hotels and having wonderful dinners and obviously meeting so many different people across europe um like that was just a total parallel but it was great because i got to see one side of you know of life and and and, and then the other so i do look back at those times in um, london as I hold them very dear because it was such a a growth um an opportunity a life opportunity that i guess cisco has afforded me and then obviously coming back to australia it's quite daunting when you've been away for a while to sort of come back to come back home and sort of start again you know i didn't have a lot of friends i i I was you know grew up in perth i moved to brisbane where my mum was and you know sort of having the i guess um the f- familiarity of an organisation like Cisco and being able to apply and get it stuck into you know what was happening here in Australia um, was was fantastic, and I think um, you know all my experience overseas has really um, a, you know given me a fantastic platform to be able to do some of the awesome things that we've done here.
1: Fantastic, thank thank you for sharing. Um, and you, you did stay stay in the in, in where we were going with that the idea of uh, aligning your work and 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 your own values. That can be a challenge and, and it's certainly one that you've met. Um, we're, we, we're, I'm, con- I'm conscious that we've taken some of your time and we've gone well over. We mm-hmm. uh, do have a couple more questions. So we, we'll take the questions that we're getting at the moment. Um, okay. And there's a couple more that we're going to get to shouldn't take too much longer, if that's alright.
0: Yeah, no problem.
1: Um, Fiona Dole asked, how do you educate internal stakeholders that may not be in the media trenches or familiar with PR on what works for media? So <laughs>
0: thanks for the question, Fiona. Um, we we do regular, I guess, connects of like what is news and what do we do, a bit of a 101 on what we do because I think a lot of people kind of look at us and go, oh, you know, what are they? Yeah, like <laughs> they're a bit a bit like, wow, what do they do, you know, and because honestly they see the impact of what they do but there's so much that goes into getting to that point of having, you know, um, you know piece of coverage something's pretty cool out in the market and so i think um we spent a lot of a lot of time with our we've had some new executives join us and certainly i've got a new local ceo a new country manager in new zealand we we invest the time in actually doing media training with them understanding the media landscape what's news how do you create messages what do you you know sound bites really sort of um honing in on that and i think through that it sort of filters out and we do, as I mentioned, those one-on-ones with like specific teams. So we'll go around Mm -hmm. certainly when we're trying to do a bit of story mining, like we're trying to understand, okay, what customers are doing some really cool stuff that we can potentially share externally. And that's a constant thing um, as we kind of go and evolve. And I think um, certainly with the marketing team, we've, we continue to educate, you know, around, you know, there's more to it than um, packaging up, you know, a press release and away you go um there is there is that continual education that we need to to do with those teams as well
1: so um i'm going to throw a hypothetical at you you're in a lift with a senior executive who's had no media training and when the lift opens there's going to be cameras and they're going to be asking you about you know something positive it's not a crisis communication but you've got basically 30 seconds in that elevator to give them one useful tip on media media engagement what would you say
0: Ooh. I would say smile and don't say anything stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic advice everywhere in life. Thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, What's your favourite part of your job?
0: Oh, the variety. And I think, as I mentioned before, the breadth of like the technology, but also the people that I get to work with. So just, you know, working with um you know our we've got inclusive communities so really understanding what people are doing to give back but then like on the sales side like really understanding all the cool stuff that we're doing with our customers like they really I'm a bit of a geek like that I'm like oh wow you know how does how does that actually work and try to pull it apart right through to working with our you know CEO Ben Dawson and really um I guess developing that relationship and working with him and sort of stretching ourselves and going going I'm a, I'm a yes person I like to like yeah, let's do it, you know, and and maybe it creates a bit more stress, but I guess the rewards are like when you can kind of land things and push yourself to obviously grow, then, but, you know, and you can celebrate and enjoy, enjoy those moments as well.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Um, I did want to touch on Cisco Live, which I understand is happening in December, um, although I feel that we're out of time, having run for about half an hour. Okay. Um, but, That's
0: fine. Yep, December 6 to 9. Um, no plugging, but yeah, it's a huge event. Um, and we're really excited to pull that together again. It's been um, over two years since we've had one in person. So looking forward to um, hosting some journos and analysts there and um, sharing more about the cool stuff Cisco's doing.
1: When were those dates again?
0: 6 to the 9th of December.
1: 6 to 9th of December and held where?
0: Uh, in Melbourne at the Convention Centre, it's in person, but there's also a digital broadcast as well, so folks can um, check into that online.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Lastly, what's a piece of advice you'd share with anyone starting out in a professional communications role?
0: Um, so I would say be attuned to what's going on, obviously, in the news. So read, listen to podcasts, un- get you know understand your favourite journal and what they're all about and sort of study them really hard. Um, and look at organisations that you kind of align with your values, um, see which industries really, I guess, excite you and really think about how you would like to work in that organisation.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for spending some time with us.
0: Thanks a lot for having me. It's really, It's been great. I've enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Corey Moran. No worries. See ya. Bye now. Thanks for joining us on Insider Business today. That was Corey Moran. Insider Business looks at communications from the business perspective and is supported by the Thrive Tech Academy. Next week, we'll be speaking with DoorDash's Director of International Communications, Simran Khadija, live from San Francisco. I hope to see you there. Bye for now.